All right, dropping in for a quick Tyler Hero update. Welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube Live right now, an hour before tip-off, or just listening on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Tyler Hero, available to return to tonight's game. What kind of impact could he have for the Heat? Before we get to that, uh, here's the plan for how Eric Spolstra is going to manage him. Hero is not going to start uh, in tonight's game. Uh, I think that much is obvious. Eric Spolstra said that. In fact, he's just going to stick with his normal rotations. So that means Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, starting in that backcourt. Uh, and then after that, getting to Kyle Lowry, getting to some of the normal rotation patterns, Caleb Martin off the bench that we've seen. And that if he feels like there's a pocket or a need specific for Tyler Hero, I think that's when we could see him go there so no minutes sort of in sharpie planned out for tyler hero tonight uh spolstra before the game saying hey we're just going to kind of see how this thing plays out here's my guess i think we're going to see tyler hero tonight i think that's eric spolstra doing two things one i think it is somewhat honest i don't think that he's like okay tyler hero you're playing 25 minutes tonight i think with the injury that hero has been dealing with some of the setbacks that he's obviously been dealing with that is the smart and and really only approach that that Spo can take. The second thing is playing coy the way that we know Spo to do, right? I think uh, he is usually gonna kind of keep his cards close to the vest or as close to the vest as possible. Doesn't want to give up anything. That said, it doesn't sound like the Nuggets are all that worried about it. Uh, Michael Malone, the Nuggets head coach, was asked about it before the game. He said it doesn't change their game plan at all and all these other things. And that again, from the Nuggets perspective. The right approach. You can't start game planning for something that may or may not happen. The Nuggets have been the better team this entire series. It's why they're up 3-1 in the first place. And all they need to do is keep doing what they have been doing through most of the first four games. All right. So that's sort of the plan here for game five in terms of how they are going to deal with Tyler Hero. Like I said, I expect that we'll see him at some point. I think we're going to see him potentially early in this game if things go south for Miami. They need... Tyler's three-point shooting. That much has been clear. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how Tyler Hero can impact the Miami Heat. But the obvious caveat on all of those things and everything that I'm about to say is let's see how that hand holds up, right? The thing that's been bothering him, we got reports uh, as early as game two that Tyler Hero could rejoin Miami's lineup, right? Well, it's game five now. We still haven't seen Tyler Hero since he injured that hand on April 16th. Uh, there, he's been dealing with some discomfort right? Some swelling after the shooting drills. He's been going through contact drills. Eric Spolster keeps telling reporters, keeps telling us, hey, we're really encouraged by his progress. We're really encouraged by his progress, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, he was upgraded uh, upgraded to questionable Monday morning. And then we get the news that he's been upgraded to available uh, just a couple hours before tip-off. So all of that is to say, we don't really know what kind of status Tyler Harrow's hand is in right now if he's if there's going to be inflammation if there's going to be swelling if he gets out there for a few minutes we'll see so long version of saying caveat let's see how that hands hold up that hand holds up but in general if if he's anywhere close to what we think tyler hero can be the first thing that he provides is obviously shooting right he's a 38 percent three-point shooter this season you look at how miami won the only game that they won game two in this series. They shot better than 48% from three point range outside of game two. They've shot sub 40% in the other three games. Guess what? All three games losses for Miami. 
Gabe Vincent, Max Struess combined 29% on threes in this series. It's been rough for them. Specifically, it's been rough for Max Struess. You go, besides the first quarter of game two, when he went four for seven, Max Struess is one for 19 on three-pointers in this series. It has been a rough game for him, a rough series for him. After game four, he was just noticeably, visibly frustrated in the locker room in Miami. Um, and if Tyler Hero can give you anything in terms of three-point shooting production, that's going to be huge for Miami because maybe now he's able to, to absorb some of those bad Max Struess minutes, maybe even some of those Gabe Vincent minutes. If he's productive for you from three-point range, then obviously you're talking about raising Miami's floor. If they can get to 40% three-point shooting-wise, that's what I think gives them a chance to win game five. The other part with Tyler Hero is as a playmaker and passer. He can run, pick, and roll with Bam Adebayo, right? And if if Gabe Vincent Gabe Vincent has done a good job developing chemistry quickly with Bam in this postseason, but if that if that outside shot isn't falling for Gabe, he just becomes less uh, impactful in that role. Tyler Hero, he's got a reputation in the NBA as being a scorer, a shooter, a guy who can go get buckets and put up points in a hurry. I think if he's just running, pick, and roll right away with Bam. Denver's defense has to respect him a little bit, which kind of leads me to my third thing with Tyler Hero. Coming off those screens and those handoffs, the DHOs with Bam Adebayo, with his range and his reputation, I think he could draw Denver's defense further out. If, if Tyler Hero is in the game and he's feeling it in the first couple of minutes, it wouldn't shock me to say to see Spo kind of dial up some high pick and roll, like high pick and exaggeratedly high pick and rolls with Bam, like 30 feet from the basket. We've seen this sprinkled in throughout the regular season here and there. It's not something that they like to go to a lot, but we've seen flashes of it. Like, it's in the playbook. It's in Spo's bag. The problem is that since the first game of the playoffs, when Dalliero broke his hand, he's had nobody nobody able to run it, right? Max Struess, he's not running pick and roll that high up on the floor. It becomes easier to trap him. He's not that good of a playmaker, ball handler. You don't really want that... Gabe Vincent does not have that kind of three-point range. He's more of a catch-and-shoot kind of in-rhythm guy right beyond the arc. Tyler Hero's got the playmaking chops, and he's got the range. And he's got kind of the shit spot to, 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 to take that shot in the first place, which is kind of half the battle there. Um, if you start running those, those high screen and rolls, like 30 feet from the basket, I'm going to say something, and I don't mean this as a comparison. I just sort of mean it as, as sort of a, a, a reference point. The team that has had the most success against the Nuggets over the last couple of years has been the Golden State Warriors, in part because they're able to run those Steph Draymond pick and rolls 30, 32 feet away from the basket, bring Jokic all the way out, or dare him to drop below the arc and give Steph a ton of space coming off of those screens. There's no right way to play it when it's Steph and Draymond that far out. Um, it's why it's been one of the most potent pick and roll partnerships in the league for the last decade. Again, not comparing Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo to that, but I'm just trying to give you a reference point for what it could look like and why it could be effective against Denver's defense. Jokic has been good defensively in this series, but a lot of credit goes to Jokic for that and the Denver Nuggets covering up some things and, and everything that they've been able to surround him with. It's also partly because Miami's offense is not creating any kind of space whatsoever with Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Caleb, everybody just struggling from three-point range other than Duncan Robinson. They haven't been able to create a ton of space. Jimmy Butler does not have a lot of room getting to the basket. Jokic is hanging out by the rim. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are not shooting well near the rim with Jokic being just there and his size 
uh, sort of de de deflecting them away from those looks. If you're able to bring him out that much further, and now he's got to defend in space, and now you're asking him to, all right, come up at the level of the screen and then get all the way back and all these things, those backdoor cuts for guys like Caleb, Jimmy, all these guys become that much more available and that much more easier to find them. And, and and so, look, I'm not trying to overstate the potential of Tyler Hero's impact. I'm just, you know, if I'm asked the question, what sort of best case scenario for the Miami Heat with Tyler Hero coming back? That's what that is. The Heat are down 3-1 in these finals, right? I know that this is asking a lot of Tyler Hero. And I'm not sure that he comes back if the if the Heat are not down 3-1 and facing elimination tonight. I'm not. I'm still not sure Tyler Hero comes back for this game, right? I think it's partly the hand is a little bit better, but it's mostly the fact that this could be Miami's last game of their season. And, and, and asking Tyler Hero to save their season is a lot, and that is not what the Heat are trying to do here. But I also think back to a point that I made after game four. The only team ever to come back from 3-1 in the finals was the 2016 Cavs, and they were able to do that against the Warriors because they found something that worked and was repeatable, and that the Warriors just flatly could not stop because of their roster construction. It was an inherent flaw in the way they went about things. The Warriors were small, and they had to switch everything because they were small, and that worked for 73 wins and a finals and one game away from winning a championship. And then it clicked for the Cavs. If we run LeBron, Kyrie, pick and roll over and over and over again and get Steph switched onto LeBron, that is something that we can ride for three straight wins. And that's exactly what they did. And so for the last couple of day, days, I've been asking myself, what is it? What is the Miami Heat's version of that? What is Miami's LeBron Kyrie pick and roll? And I don't think I saw anything in the first four games that makes me think that that exists for the Miami Heat based on what was available in those first four games. Jimmy Butler is clearly hobbled by that ankle. The Jimmy Bam pick and roll is not as productive as it once was. Uh, against that pick and roll, Denver is sagging. They're crowding the paint. And they're daring guys like Jimmy, Bam, and then the role players to, to beat them shooting. And it hasn't worked, okay? Uh, the Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, like all those like dribble handoffs with, with Bam are fine. But as much as I like guys like Duncan and Max and Gabe and Caleb, they're mostly flash-in-the-pan kind of producers, right? The difference between somebody who's a star, borderline all-star, like bona fide kind of bucket getter, and the role players is that role players can only do it for a quarter or so. Max Struess. First quarter of game two, four of seven from three-point range, right? But then that's it. Then he fizzles after that. That's kind of what role players do. They can just give you a spark here and there, but they can't carry you. You can't, like, base an offense or a system uh, or certain triggers around them because they're inconsistent, and they're, in and they're role players because they're inconsistent, right? That's sort of the definition. Tyler Hero is more consistent than these other guys that we're talking about. When healthy. More consistent. He was Miami's second leading scorer in the regular season, a 20-point-per-game score over the last two years. That guy's consistent, right? And I know Heat fans can, can argue about how good Tyler Hero is and all these things. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm, talk what I'm telling you is he's consistent. And he's somebody who's shooting and playmaking and just kind of attitude. Like, he just wants to be the guy, Right? That's something that you can ride for a little bit longer than some of the other spurts from the role players that we were talking about. And so if I'm asking myself, what is the LeBron Kyrie pick and roll for Miami in this series? I haven't seen it in the first four games, 
And obviously, I'm not predicting that it's going to be a Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo two-man game. But it might be the only option left on the table, right? It might be the only sort of box that has not been checked yet. The only sort of stone that hasn't been looked under yet for the Heat. And obviously, that's because Tyler has not been available. And it's a lot to ask of him to come in here and save the series. And I am not predicting that to happen. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I fully expect the Denver Nuggets to win this series, whether it's tonight or game six or maybe even game seven. But this is the corner the Miami Heat have put themselves in now, is that they're relying on a guy like Tyler Hero to come in and give them something. Save the series? No. You need a lot more from Jimmy Butler. You need a lot more from Bam Adebayo. You need Max and Gabe and, and Duncan and Caleb and all these guys to just start shooting better, flatly, just start playing better. And if all of those things happen, yeah, maybe the Heat then have a chance. How does that thing happen, though? How do all these guys start playing better all of a sudden? They needed some sort of spark, right? Maybe Tyler Hero's that spark. Probably not. Probably not, okay? Come, he hasn't played in seven weeks. He's probably not that spark right now. That's asking way too much. Maybe he is. I don't know. Not predicting anything. Not predicting anything. All right. Thanks for some of the people uh, putting questions in the live chat. We'll get to, we got what, another minute and a half, two minutes here. Uh, so here's what I'll do. I'll ask, I'll, uh, I'll answer a few questions. If you have any and you're watching on YouTube live, drop them into the chat and I'll try to get to them. This comes from Kaz. Do you think we need more minutes from Kevin Love? Kick the tires on him and see if he can give more than 20 minutes a game. I don't know that the Heat need more minutes from Kevin Love. I think he's played well in these finals. I think he's played well in part because his minutes are limited. Denver wants to get out and run. Denver is going to put him in uh, in certain alignments, different kind of pick and rolls and things and attack him. Kevin Love is important to start these games with the rebounding, uh, with, with the pick and pop stuff. I would be interested to see if Eric Spolstra finds time uh, when Bam is off the floor for Kevin Love and Jimmy Butler to be on the floor together instead of Jimmy Butler with Cody Zeller. I think the the, the problematic Zeller minutes has been overstated to a certain degree. I think he's been okay guarding Nikola Jokic. It was interesting in game four that Spo did not align Bam and his minutes with Nikola Jokic like so many expected. But instead, when Jokic is off the court to start the second quarter and, and for a few minutes to start the fourth quarter, was trying to get to Bam and Jimmy together in those minutes, right? So that meant like there's three or four minutes in the first quarter and third quarter that Bam is off and Jokic is on. But what Spo is trying to do in those minutes is sort of double down on his two best players, which has Miami. When those two guys are on the floor, Miami's net rating is better than anything else. It's why I'll, this is a long story short. I'll keep this as short as I can. It's why for so much of the regular season, Spo would uh, kind of, you know, stiff arm the idea that he needs to stagger Bam and, and Jimmy's minutes. There was that big storyline during the regular season. Hey, like, are you, especially, especially at the end as we kind of got into the playing tournament, you can't really afford to have one of Jimmy or Bam off the court at any time. The reason Spo took so long to start staggering those guys was because when they were on the court together, Miami's net rating was elite, right? It was borderline elite. Uh, and that was the only such lineup that had that kind of net rating. So his thought process was, if I can get them together, in advantageous situations, maybe that creates enough of us uh, of a lead, a big enough cushion for us where we can kind of afford to drop a couple of minutes here and there in different alignments and different rotation patterns. So I think that's what he tried to do 
at the start of the second quarter in game four. I think we could see that again in game five. I kind of like the idea. It didn't work. It did not work, right? Miami did not make the most of those minutes. But I like the idea behind it, and and I do wonder if we'll see that again. It, it also depends on when does he try to get Hero some minutes and all these things. I, I do wonder if, if Spo will try to go to that again. But back to the Kevin Love point, when when Bam comes off the floor and Zeller comes in, could we maybe see a, a minute or two where it's Kevin Love instead of Zeller and Jimmy and Kevin Love can play that pick-and-pop game a little bit more? We'll see. I don't know. Who knows what Eric Spolstra has uh, in his bag. Uh, this comes from Project Zilla. How many minutes do you think Tyler Hero plays tonight? If I was going to guess, I don't know. Um, it's weird. Uh, it's 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 a, it's a weird thing to even try to predict. I'll say 15 minutes. I don't know. I don't feel good about it, but that's what uh, you asked for a prediction. And uh, that's what I'll go with there. This comes from Novocaine. Why not go offense and play Jovic and Hero? Nikola Jovic is not ready to play in the NBA Finals. Um AJ Cardasso writes in, win or lose, how different would the team be next year? Win tonight? We'll see how long this series would it be extended. Uh, I think if you win tonight and lose in game six, I don't think that changes much of Miami's offseason plans. We talked about this the other day on the show. Uh, ESPN reporting that the Heat's front office is already starting to kind of put together their offseason plans and has sort of different iterations of what the team could look like next season. I think regardless of whether the Heat somehow miraculously come back and win the finals or lose in five, lose in six, lose in seven, I think they're going to be looking to add a star this offseason. I think that's the plan. I think that's the idea. Because even if you could argue, let's say the Heat come back from 3-1 and win the series, how much longer does Jimmy Butler have left, right? 33 years old. Um, you know, Jimmy and Bam would be much happier, much more comfortable in sort of secondary, tertiary scoring roles if you can go out and find like a 1A score, that makes everybody's lives easier. It If you lose this championship, you lose in the finals, then it increases your odds of getting back to the finals and maybe finally winning the finals and getting over the hump. And if you win these finals, it increases your odds of extending this window, right? So either way, I think the Heat go star hunting this summer. Uh, this comes from uh, Murata. Do you think Spo will go all attack because our defense didn't and probably won't make a difference? I do think that the Heat have been trying to slow the tempo in this series so far. I think that in game five, we'll see them maybe up the tempo a little bit in Denver. I I think that they were pleasantly surprised and encouraged by how they held up in the altitude in the first two games. It did not, it was not an issue. The Heat were the only team in this entire playoffs to beat Denver in Denver. I think that we see in game five, I think we try to I think we see the Heat try to up the tempo a little bit more. Uh force Denver into maybe some turnovers that they wouldn't usually make if in that slow down sort of half court game, try to get out and run a little bit more, create turnovers. Jimmy Butler, quiet stat, only averaging half a steal right now in the NBA finals, down from almost two per game in the Eastern Conference side of the bracket uh, throughout this postseason. Can we see Jimmy Butler try to get more involved in jumping those passing lanes and trying to create some easy points for him? I think that's possible. Um, Aldo, do you think that Duncan starts and Tyler takes his minutes off the bench? No, Eric Spolster already said that they're going to stick with their normal rotations and then just sort of try to see where Tyler Hero fits in. So Gabe Vincent, Max Drews, that's your starting backcourt, uh, for better or for worse. That's the idea. All right. Um, let's try, let's try to take one or two more here. Pop writes in, do you think the heat come desperate tonight and not be affected by the deficit they are facing? Yeah, I think the heat are 
hey, man, this is a must-win game. Um, we have seen the Heat win these kinds of games in the past. We have seen many teams down 3-1, win one game, and then lose the next one, whatever. Um, it is in Denver. I think the Heat will have a sense of urgency. I think they kind of feel more comfortable playing on the road, honestly. Um, it kind of just it kind of they create their own little bubble around themselves, right? Where it's just basketball and they don't have to worry about all the things that come with being at home and trying to get tickets for their friends and family and worrying about all this and trying to protect home court and all these other things, like added layers of pressure. I think going on the road is like this, it's kind of a comfortable space for this Heat team. I think they're going to relish in that. I think they're going to relish in the idea of making sure that Denver and those fans don't get to see their team win the championship tonight. I think that's going to be a motivating factor for the Miami Heat. I don't know that it's going to be enough for them to win this game. I have no idea. But I think when you're talking about the team's disposition, that's probably where they're coming from. Um, all right. And let's see. Let's see what else we have here. Ba, 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 ba. All right. No, I think that's a good place to end. I think that's a good place to end about the Heat's disposition, how they're going to approach this game. Uh, I was only planning on doing 10 minutes. We did 21, 22 minutes here. Uh, in large part, thanks to everybody watching. Thanks to the questions that you guys sent in on the chat. Sorry for the ones that I wasn't able to get to here. But thanks for tuning in here, YouTube Live. This is going to be also uploaded uh, on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app, whatever it is that you use. If you missed any of this, you can catch it there. Uh, share, subscribe, like, all those things. And then, of course, make sure that you tune in immediately after the game, win or lose. Uh, David Ramil, my co-host, and I will be back uh, with our immediate reactions to Game 5. So thanks so much for everybody that tuned in. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you in a few hours.